All right, so we're going to do a pop quiz on all those uh, numbers. If everybody's ready for that right now. Um, wow, it's crazy. Um, my mind hurts <laughs> at the numbers of what it takes for us to be alive standing here right now. Um, wow, so it creates a little bit of like, how do we even understand all those zeros, right? But um, it also creates such a sense of wonder that we shouldn't exist, but we do. Here we are, standing, sitting, breathing, thinking. You don't have to look very long in this life before you stop in your your tracks and it leads you to some pretty deep questions like, where did we come from? What does all this apparent organization mean? Does that mean that we should live lives organized in a, a moral sense? What happens after we die? I haven't opened the Bible yet. <clears throat> Which, by the way, if you don't have one in front of you, um, you can gladly come and take one of these study Bibles up here, like right now if you want. Um, because I think it would be helpful for you when I do open the Bible today to be able to follow along with what I'm going to look at. But we haven't opened the Bible yet. And doesn't what we see in life and see in the universe, and I can't help but watch any documentary on space and the expanse of it without just jaw-dropping, wow. What are we doing here? How did we get here? There's got to be something more. Today starts a 39-week series that we're beginning through the book of Genesis. It's the very first uh, collection of words in the Bible that we're going to look at. And we're going to walk through today uh, chapter 1 of Genesis. And if you have one of the study Bibles that we've given away, it's on page 12, if you want to hang there with us. Um, this book, this chapter that we're in, describes the beginning of the story that God has been writing since the beginning of time. We will read about stories that are grand and cosmic. We'll read stories of heartbreak and family conflict. We will read some stories that are hard to believe. And some have approached this book called Genesis uh, as a history book, and to do that can, can present some difficulty. Some have approached this as strictly a, a science book, which can also present some difficulty if we're just looking at it through those lenses. The question that we should start with and where we're going to try and sit is, how was the original audience hearing this book, and what should we focus on because of that? I'm just as curious as maybe more as the next person as to how the universe unfolded in those early moments. And I think videos like we just watched point towards something. And we should take that seriously because God's invisible qualities and divine nature are clearly seen from what he's made. The heavens declare his glory. It's pointing a direction. But this morning, we're going to start where these people would have started. Reading these first words in the book called the Bible. 
It doesn't mean that there's no historically verifiable stories in the Bible. There are many. It also doesn't mean that the Bible is at odds with science. We're going to approach this book as the grand story that it is. They were deeply, these people, invested in hearing and telling the story of the mysterious one behind it all. And that's what we're going to look to see. My invitation to all of us today is as we begin to read Genesis, is to hear it and read it through the same sense of wonder and curiosity that you might have looking up at the sky on a starry night. Or if you get to hold the hand of a newborn baby and you see the the detail in that little finger, the wonder that you might have, let's look with those lenses at the story and the wonder and the beauty of what God is writing, especially in these early chapters. So we're going to read a story, and this story means a lot to us today, and I believe that God has been writing it since the beginning, and it's my prayer that by the time I'm done talking up front here that we'll get some clarity about what God is like and that we might find ourselves worshiping God all the more because of what he's done and what he continues to do. So let me pray and then we'll jump into Genesis 1. Uh, Father, thank you for your word and how even with the scrutiny of our questions, it stands the test of time. Through the challenges of this life, we still can take great hope and confidence knowing that you've revealed yourself. You've revealed your character to us. You've, you've, you've revealed your heart. And we can know, as we're about to read, that you are good and that you created things good and that you step into the chaos to bring beauty and blessing and all the good things. Amen. So as I read, you're going to notice some patterns uh, in this story, and that's why I hope that you're able to have a Bible in front of you. Um, again, if you're, there's four sitting right there, anytime you can come on up. Um, I want you to notice some patterns in order to see the heart of what we should take away from this first chapter. There's so many things I wish I had time to talk to you about, but I'm really going to get to one place. So let's start. With uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of the Bible, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There are ten different things I want to talk about right now with that verse, those two verses alone, but we're going to focus on one thing. The phrase that gets translated, formless and empty, that, that phrase in the Hebrew is uh, a phrase called tohu vavohu. Let's, let's go ahead and hear it. Tohu vavohu. Can you say it? Okay. So in the ancient Hebrews, they understood that phrase that meant chaos. Formless and empty meant chaos. In the Webster's, uh, it's the state, the Webster's Dictionary, the state of utter confusion. Now, I have lots of questions about that. If before anything was created, there's this state of utter confusion, believe me, 
I would love to sit down with you around a campfire and just have our minds blown by what that could mean. I don't even know. But before God says a word, there apparently is the state of utter confusion. There's chaos. And so into that chaos, God speaks his first words in in verse 3. It says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So what does God do on this day one? He separates light from darkness. Look at this through the eyes of wonder. How do you separate light from darkness? God separates light from darkness. He's providing form to what's formless. He's creating order in what was disordered. There's a mystery to what that disorder, formless state was, but he's bringing order. He's speaking order into the chaos. Let's keep going. Verse 6. And God says, Let there be a vault between the waters uh, to separate water from water. And so God made the vault and separated the waters under the vault from the waters above it. And so it was. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Day two. So what does God do on day two? He creates a vault between the waters above and the waters below. We'll get to that vault above the waters in the sky uh, in, in a later chapter. But what does God create? He creates in that day to the sky and the water. God is providing form to what was formless. You see the pattern here already? Let's check out the next day. Uh, verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered in one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Day three, God separates the water from the dry ground, creating land. So far in in days one, two, and three in the story, God is providing form to what is formless. God enters into the chaos and begins to create and organize and give form. And there's an interesting repetition of words so far. That, uh, that you probably noticed. And it, was, it goes like this. God said something. And it was so. And God saw that thing. And it was good. There was evening. And there was morning. There are these patterns woven into this language that we're supposed to see. Let's see if those continue. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. 
And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light to the earth. And so it was. God made two great lights. The great lights to govern the day and the lesser lights to govern the night. It kind of seems like he already did that already. He made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. There's a a little bit of a shift there, isn't there? God moves from days one through three from forming and shaping things to beginning to fill that which was empty. And what does he fill it with on that day? The greater lights that govern the day and the lesser lights that govern the night. And those same patterns that we had before, are they still there that God said it was, he saw it, it was good, there was evening, there was night, that's still there. It's good. Let's keep going. Verse 20. It says, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with it, which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there it is again. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. God is doing the work again on that fifth day of filling that which was empty. And on this day he creates the bird and the fish. Let's go to day six. This is the last day of this creation narrative here. And this one has a little bit more scripture to it, so hang with me. Verse 24, and, then, er, and God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then, in verse 26, God said, Let us make in our image and in our likeness, make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Flourish, live, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and he said it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning 
the sixth day. So let's step back a second here. We've we've read the story. It's so brilliant. The story starts with chaos. It starts with tohu vavohu, formless and empty. Day one through three, God is addressing the first part, formless. God enters in and provides form to that which was formless. But then we see in days four through six in this beautiful story that God addresses the second part, the empty part, and God begins to fill. God is filling that which was empty. It's a magnificent literary piece. And then if it doesn't get brilliant enough, look at the order to which God does it. Day four fills what God formed in day one. Day five fills what God formed in day two. Day six fills what God formed in day three. God is intimately involved in bringing order and beauty and blessing into the chaos. God is the grand artist bringing order and goodness into the chaos, bringing light into darkness, bringing blessing and fullness where there was emptiness, bringing the breath of life where there was no space for life, What does this mean for you and I? Well, let me ask you a question. What is your chaos? What in your life feels like an utter state of confusion? Am I the only one that has chaos in my life? For thousands of years now, since these words were given to God's people to share with the world, the people of God all over the world have been people of undying and unending hope because at the beginning, God stepped into the chaos. He brought form where there was no form. He filled what was empty. In the faces of persecution, Christians have had hope that God brings order and goodness out of the darkness and chaos in the face of poverty and famine and natural disaster Christians have had hope because God brings order and goodness out of darkness and chaos it's in his nature in the face of sin and all of its destructions which we haven't even gotten to yet in the Genesis story Christians have had hope because God brings order and goodness out of the chaos in the face of failed marriages in the face of broken relationships dysfunctional families Christians have had hope Because the character of God is that he brings order and goodness into the darkness and chaos. And today, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever darkness you have come up against, whatever thing is up against you, whatever chaos is making it impossible for you to thrive, Whatever is causing your life to feel formless and empty, know that God is closer than you can ever imagine. 
I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but chapter 2, he steps into a garden. He starts with this cosmic story of forming and filling, and then he steps into a garden. With the ones who you saw, and I tried to emphasize it as much as I could, that all the days, everything was good, everything was good, everything was good, and then God got to his, the crown jewel of his creation. He got to you. He got to humankind that he made in his image, special care. And he said, it was not only good, but it's, it's very good. Does the story of God start in Genesis 3 with sin and brokenness? That's important. We'll get there, but no. You were still made with something good. There's something inside of every person on the planet that somehow reflects the Father of all things, that reflects this Creator that stepped into the chaos and brought order, stepped into the darkness and brought light. So as you look up into the sky, as you contemplate all the painful parts of your life, as you are staring face to face with the chaos, and you wonder about the meaning of it all, as you hold the hand of a child that leads you to wonder if there's more to life than meets the eye, We're introduced to a God who has revealed himself into the chaos with loving care for all things, most being you, the one to whom he made very good. Let's pray. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for stepping into the chaos. What that actually was in this poetic, beautiful literature, we don't know, but we certainly know what chaos feels like. We certainly know, Lord, what darkness feels like. And we're told that you are the one who stepped into the chaos on our behalf, that you are the answer behind all the numbers that we can't even comprehend. You are the voice calling from the deep that wants your children, the ones whom you made very good, to come home to you. So, Lord, I pray that we all say yes to that today. Amen.